Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Hello, you're listening to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look at the history and the culture, the people and the stories behind that wonderful elixir that is in our glass every night and uh, every day and sometimes even in the morning, bubbles for breakfast. I love it. I'm Gina Birch. Bubbles for breakfast, always Mm -hmm. a good selection with cornflakes. Ooh. Right? With anything. Mm -hmm. All the things. Oh, bubbles (laughs) and bacon. Sorry, you got me on a sidetrack now. Uh, I'm Julie Glenn. Tonight, we're th- uh, today, we're thinking pink, diving into the rosé pool or a giant, big, huge glass of rosé. Mm. That would be refreshing. It's so hot. It's August. That's why it's rosé month. We would be remiss as we sit in near 100 degree heat <laughs> not to revisit the style of wine that's often called a white wine for red fans. You know, I just got a visual of that, of, of a pool filled with rosé and how when you do the breaststroke, every time your mouth opens, oh. just drinking it i'm just thinking that the like i don't wear the hair cover thingy Mm -hmm. but for that i probably would not that i would have a problem with rosé getting in my hair but i just think that the aesthetic would require what is that called the thing that covers the 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 swimming swimming cap cap. yeah old-fashioned esther williams kind of thing Mm -hmm. oh and then um this would be the one thing that would encourage me to do laps if that was my goal at the end every time i do a stroke i get a sip and no peeing in that pool oh no hell no You know what's sad is even with all of the rosé education and promotion that goes on, especially this time of year when we're recording this in August uh, for Rosé Month, but, you know, year-round, really, that there are still people who look at it, they still turn their noses up at it, they prejudged it because it's pink, that it's going to be sweet and that white zen-esque flavor. Grody. Yeah. Um, It's true that some rosés are flabby and uninspiring, but Mm -hmm. then you can say that about almost any wine category. True. It's disappointing the prejudging that people foist upon my favorite shade. And I'm wondering, (laughs) it's really become incredibly popular, though, in the last maybe seven, eight, ten years. Yeah, you know, we've been behind the eight ball, so to speak, as uh, we are in many things in our, our country. But this was something that you would just do in France on a regular basis. I mean, it's you you have rosé in the afternoon. It's just protocol. Yeah. Um, it's and, the drinking water in many places. Yeah, and then so then California kind of caught on a little more. And then beside, and then it took a little while to get to the East Coast. And, and I feel that, uh, and, and the rosé sales are up. I mean, statistics show that more people are jumping on the band, bandwagon. They get it. They understand the subtleties of it and and how it fits into so many different categories when you're eating, socializing, or, you know, doing any of the, anything, really. And I think there's like a confluence of things that have kind of occurred here because we had the millennials who were interested in wine. Mm-hmm. So they came into the scene. We have a lot more of the ladies who lunch kind of thing, brunch culture, mm-hmm. wine culture really kind of taking off and being popular. And then, of course, I mentioned millennials. There's millennial pink, which was like the shade for the last 10 years. Right, right. You know? Forgot about that one. Yeah. And you know, when you, when you, we, we talked about France, and France kind of sets the bar uh, with a lot of things when it comes to wine, or at least that's what is. Uh, people think a lot. We tend to look at France for for their their history and their balance and the way they make wine. And in regards to rosé, it's Provence that's pretty much revered most mostly for its rosés. Uh, they're delicate in color, they're delicate in texture, and and they're just beautiful. 
Yeah, sometimes they look like salmon pink. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can be that bluish pink when they got Grenache in there. Ooh, ballet that, pink. Yeah, ballet slippers. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting the different shades of pink that you can come up with when it comes to wine. And also, the price point is uh, appreciable. I mm-hmm. really enjoy it. It's usually under 20 It's kind of rare to find one that's higher end. I mean, you can get some really good higher end ones. Sure, though. right. Like Chen Blue, for example. That's like mm. up around 40 or something. That isn't is it? so good. Yeah. It is not bad. Um, that one's a good one. And then uh, Whispering Angel has some higher end single vineyard ones. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and I recently tried uh, one from the Whispering Angel people. Yep. Uh, called the palm and it's got like the the thing that's cool about rosé is nobody's going to be aging that thing right so the the labels do not have to be timeless and classic right they can be fun and festive a la Beaujolais Nouveau you know how they can make those fun <laughs> right hilarious labels because nobody's going to look back on it in 10 years and be like hey let's revisit this rosé from 2020 yeah um which of course there's not gonna be any rosé left after 2020 the way this year's been going no Everybody's Let's consuming hope. now. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready for the next year's vintage, please. But yeah, nobody's aging any rosés, and so therefore you can have some really cute, fun labels. There's hogwash. Mm, that that's one's, so good from Tuck Beckstoffer. Yeah, that's a people pleaser. That one. Right you know, there. but you mentioned n- not aging. I have had some older rosés from Tavel. Tavel's a whole nother animal. Yeah, that's. And one day we should do a show just on Tavel, and that's all they make in, in this. Uh, uh, French town, it's southern France again, um, where it's nice and hot, and uh, they you walk you drive through there, and everything is pink. Mm-hmm. It is so amazing, and some of those wines are really have a lot of structure, and I've had some that have been five and six years old, and they were still holding up. Mm-hmm. There are some uh, some that are a little bit uh, that are better, the yeah. super well made ones, um, but for the most part. Rosé is one of those ones you get now, drink now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't don't want to hold it usually and uh, definitely have it cold, which is ideal when it's burning hot outside. Yes. And speaking of French, one more. You know, I've got to get a shout out to the Languedoc region because I, I have a heart for that area. They've got a lot of really affordable, uh, lovely rosés, and they actually produce more wine than Provence, even though Provence kind of gets the, gets the nod when it comes to a rosé that is made in France. But... Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit more about the rosés that are made domestically, and uh, we've got two that we're, we're tasting. And when you talk about rosés, we, we've talked about uh, places, you know, mm-hmm. ge- geographic, but grapes. Yeah. I mean, you can make rosé out of almost any red grape. Yeah. doesn't every, mean that they're going to be good. <laughs> yeah, it's not advisable in all cases. But, um, yeah, every uh, every red grape, if you just take those skins away pretty quick or just give it a limited amount of time on there, then you can, you know, alter the color of and flavor of your wine. So it's all about the, the winemaking process. Grenache is arguably one of the most favorite um, and popular. It's got low acid, low tannins, nice fruit. It's got thinner skin. So it makes it easier to get that pretty color as well. And a lot of those flavor compounds are then inside the pulp of the grape rather than in the skin mm-hmm. of the grape. And um, I think that Grenache, to me, tends to have that bluish hue. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It does. It, te- it tends to get a little bit more kind of blue uh, just just when you look at it from a certain direction. I always love that. I mean, and, and that's how I can tell it in the glass. You were talking about, so we, we've, uh, of all things, we've decided to focus on the Pinot Noir grape, and we've got a, that we're going to talk about today, how it's used for um, uh, rosés, and there's some just some beautiful rosés yeah. of Pinot Noir. I mean, they, they to me, make uh, another one of my favorites besides Grenache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pinot Noir for rosé is, is fab. But it's, it's, it's funny because I was talking about, uh, before we started recording, about my early experiences of the White Zen. 
And then, uh, this is like early 90s or something, I saw somebody created a white Merlot, and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to try this. Mm-hmm. It was nasty. <laughs> it was not good. And not that white Zinf was good, but, you know, it yeah. was just like, what's going on here? So oh, it has to do... So I had tried, I had tried, everybody tried white Zinf, because we all got into our parents' stash back in the day. I used to drink it like I knew what I was doing, like I was a baller drinking <laughs> white Zinf. I know what kind I want. I want Behringer. Thank you very much. I will never forget <laughs> my friend Tim. He was uh, at somebody's house like, would you like a glass of wine? He's like, yes, yeah, sure, thanks. And they brought out like this red Solo cup filled with white Zin and ice cubes. He was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then set it on a coffee table and walked away. But anyway, okay. so we've all tried the white Zin. Yeah. Well, I had tried uh, rosé of Pinot Noir. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is delicious. This is so great. And then I saw a white Merlot. And then I tried that and was like, this is not great. This is very bad. And so then that got me thinking about where the flavor is at in mm-hmm. a grape. So I think that the reason that Pinot Noir does so much better for example, then Merlot, when it comes to doing a rosé, is because in Pinot Noir, it has very, very thin skin. Yep. And a lot of that flavor from a Pinot Noir, that juice is good. Mm-hmm. I tried juice that had not been fermented that has just, just been pressed from Pinot Noir grapes one time. I was um, at Meeker with mm-hmm. Lucas Meeker, and he was like, here, try this. And I was like, that is the best thing ever. That is some good juice. He goes, that's why we make mine, wine from it. And I felt really dumb. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Grew up with it, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Um, he's really good at making fun of me, yeah. and he's usually right on. <laughs> but anyway, so the um, but then Merlot has that thicker skin, you know. And uh, when you're taking the the skin away, you're relying only on what's in the pulp of the grape. And there's just I don't think there's quite as much going on there. Right, it's and more you, in the skinny. And 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 even though Pinot Noir is very thin, it's very concentrated. Also, you know, in the color, and that's one of the reasons why some of the uh, rosés from Pinot Noir have a little brighter or or deeper maybe um, color to them as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to spend as much time uh, on the skins to to extract the flavor and the color. I guess is where I'm going with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I see totally where you're going. I did a little circle. I rounded it up the wagons. I, I ran know. those wagons up, and you made that point. <laughs> I don't know if I made it or not, but we've got um, some Catlea of Rosé from Catlea winemaker Bibiana Gonzalez-Rave. Um, she's such a cool chick, isn't she? Winemaker. You guys extraordinaire. Every one of her wines that we tried is incredible, and I haven't tried this rosé yet, but I'm about to. She is really great, and we're going to be talking to her um, in greater detail at, at greater length. Um, in September, we'll be uh, putting that podcast out there. Um, we're going to be celebrating the Hispanic Heritage Month, which is September 15th through October 15th, oddly straddling two months there. But we're going to be talking about the influence of um, the Hispanic culture on American wine. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to that, and she will be part of that series of conversations we'll be having. So, so this comes from the Sonoma Coast. Um, only about 500 cases are made. Um, and I think some of the grapes are from Carneros as well. They are hand-sorted. They go directly into the press um, to get all of that good color and flavor and and juice. And it's a, in the $20 range. And, um, man, this is a – this is it has some richness to it to me on the on the mid-palate. I feel like um, I love everything from the Sonoma yeah. Coast. There, and there's something that's a, a little jammy on the finish too uh, – I, I do love Pinot Noirs from the Sonoma Coast and and from Carneros in particular. It's like a fig jam. Yeah, is it that is that what it is? It's like a fig jam. Yeah. And I'm just imagining coffee. some manchego. Ooh, right? now now you're talking fig jam and manchego with this wine. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm. 
So Catlea is the name of a flower in Colombia in the rainforest where she's from. And uh, that Catlea flower is on, or the flower is on the wine. It's itself. a beautiful label. Mm-hmm. And she's such a cool, but she's from Colombia, studied winemaking in uh, France, I think it was, in Bordeaux, and is now yes. making wine in and around Napa. Yes. And, you know, when we're talking about um, direct press and, and rosés, they're, they're, one thing we haven't mentioned is there are two different methods, really, that rosés are made. And one is when the grapes are grown specifically for the rosé. And that, to me, I can, I can tell a difference because the grapes are picked at the proper ripeness to make the grape, everything, the, at the pH and everything. Otherwise, they're just a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, here, let's just squeeze off a little bit of this. Yeah, like so when 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 winemakers are making a nice big, let's say a, a Grenache and a blend or something, and they want to concentrate the flavors, they will bleed off that juice. It's called Sanier, and then they've got all this great juice, and they either dump it or they do something with it. And w- when they do something with it, it's rosé. But because the grapes weren't picked at the proper tannins or you know the pH and the ripeness, it for wasn't the ros- whole purpose right. from the very beginning. Yeah, they've got to they've got to manipulate it. They've mm-hmm. got to add other things, and that's where the flavors can be a little. I mean, you can make it what you want, right? But can also be a little manufactured tasting, I guess. Yeah. For better, lack of a better it's term. It's kind of cool when your byproduct turns out to be rosé. Yeah, it's not so bad. You know, I'm not kicking the byproduct of rosé out of bed either. <laughs> I'll take them both. Mm. All day. Yeah, this is really nice and mm-hmm. fresh and get some of that red fruit on the back. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like you. And again, only 500 cases of this are made. So if you can find it, I would definitely get it. Or just, you know, call the, call the, uh, I think you'd need to go direct to consumer on this one because she makes yeah. very little uh, of anything that she does. Yeah, she makes very small, um, small amounts of all the things. Mm-hmm. But this is good. This is very savory. This is a little less. Ooh, a little savory note. It's a little less um, strawberry fruit forward as uh, than a lot of uh, rosés are. Mm. This is a total cheese wine. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying cheesy, but needs some cheese with it. No, because it's got great acidity and, and it's dry. Mm-hmm. I think that's the word I, I keep not saying, dry. <laughs> <laughs> it's dry as a bone. Okay. And everything's dry right now Yeah, because it's just so hot. Well, my palate was, but now it's nice and, and wetted. <laughs> I don't want to even talk about my skin. So we've also got um, another, another beautiful Pinot Noir, Rosé of Pinot Noir from Han. This is their Founders Reserve. They do. Han is in the Monterey County area in the Santa Lucia Highlands. Um, so we're a little south of San Francisco. Yeah, then. it's a little further south than where we just came from. It's a little warmer, but you still have that influence from the um, from the water. Um, and uh, these grapes come from the Arroyo Seco in the Monterey County, and they were handpicked and pressed in whole clusters. And mm-hmm. very similar to the way the other one was made. The color's a little darker. Yeah, but it does look salmony in my glass. It's kind of weird. Mm. Man, it smells good. That's a whole different nose too. This one's around fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Again, to your point, that rosés are usually and very affordable. H A H N Han Honey. They have a pretty um, expansive product line. They do. They have Lucien. They've got you know the Han label. They've got all kinds of things. And Pinot Noir is one of their jams. I mean, they do. They grow a lot of Pinot. They grow a lot of jams, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, And they're really earth friendly. One of the things I like about Han is they do a lot of conservation efforts. And I actually visited them several years ago and was really impressed by 
the the things that they were doing in the vineyard. They had a a box that emitted sounds of, of a deer in distress. Why? Uh, because it would keep the um, because mountain lions were coming around, and well, it it would. What did it do? I, I, I got to rethink this. More mountain lions. It did something, or maybe it was a lion. And I don't know what it was, but it was something in distress. And oh. see, I haven't had enough coffee to be able to remember this. Sorry, but the what recall it, Rolodex is just not yeah. turning. But they had, you know, it, it, what it, whatever it did, it was again that uh, that natural thing to try to keep the predators out. And, yeah. Oh yes, it was. It kept the deer away because they, they would they were they like, weren't they were the ones eating the grapes. Oh. So and they're like, ooh, there's one in distress right, over there. So we're I will going not go away. that way. But you know what it did bring? The mountain lions. Because yeah. it would show them on video. Oh. So if there's a deer in distress, the other deer would not come by, they wouldn't eat the grapes. Oh. Well that's good. So they could save some of their product. Anyway, let's go back to the wine. <laughs> well no, it's good we got we, we jogged the memory. That yeah. was our mental exercise of the day. All right, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Time for a nap. <laughs> Take a nap. I'm going to curl up in the corner. Just throw a blankie over Time me. for a nappy nap. And leave one of those bottles, please. <laughs> then I'll be, hey, honey. Honey. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay, good stuff. And Han, I think they have a little more production. Um, mm-hmm. This to me is... Um, this is a little more easy to find. Mm-hmm. Also pretty darn dry. It is dry. I'm a little salivating at the end, which makes you want to eat more and drink more, which is great, right? What's the goal of all things? And this one, to me, I get some like some stone fruit on the finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little peachy, a little, yeah. little nectarine mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm. Very good, very good. So rosé in all can be made from pretty much any red grape. So I, I don't really hear about a whole lot of people making white and red and then mixing those together. No, but in I know that Gerard Bertrand had mixed some Vermentino into some of his red uh, rosé, mm-hmm. and in in the Languedoc region that would make it nice and yeah, flowery, it, wouldn't it? It was super. It was super cool. Mm-hmm. Like citrus just, section. Yeah, there's something different about this. Oh, a little roll in there, a little Vermentino. Ah, ah. So there's really aren't very many rules, as you said, when it comes to rosé, unless you're in Tavel, when everything is. There's a rule. Yeah, that's what it is. That's different, yeah. Hmm. Well, cheers to Rosé Month 2020. Rosé Month. I'm ready to get my rosé on for right. sure. I have been doing that, though. I have I got to be honest. For the last week or so, I got a couple of rosés, and I was mm-hmm. like, well, we just kept on having to put off recording and stuff. Well, they're gone. I'd have brought them in. but <laughs> That's they're... why we didn't get to sample those. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You know, I have a few older ones in my stash. I wish I would have brought those so we could have... Try them to compare what some of the Pinots with some age on or some Cab Franc with some age on them. I had one from Italy that I had held on to for mm-hmm. just because I just love the bottle. It was a little half bottle, but it was just like a Bordeaux style bottle and it was just squatty. It was so cute. <laughs> it had a little red, a little rose, like a picture of a rose on the label and yeah. it was adorable. Was like, this is the cutest little bottle in the world, but it was like 2000. 13 or something like that. Oh, boy. I just threw it away. I opened it, and I'm like, wow, this is just like vinegar. And talk about, like, <laughs> and it had, like, all this brown crap that had kind of solidified and fallen mm-hmm. down into the bottom of the bottle. It was, ugh. Ugh. Oh, it was wow. not even worth using to rinse off your lamb before you put it on the grill. Really? Oh. No, it was that bad. Oh, disappointing. Just, That's the worst. Yeah, but the bottle was cute. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for uh, being with us for another edition of Great Minds. And go out and buy a bottle of rosé and chill it down. and uh, Keep yourself cool. Exactly. 
Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Calligan. Technical production is by Mike Canary. Great Minds theme music for Zante is by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org or call the Grapevine and ask a wine question that we can address on a future show. That number is 707-200-3632. Thanks for listening. 